be in prayer as he is in prayer and expect that God is doing new wonderful things and you will be a part of all of those new and wonderful blessings that God will, will give. And this community will also be the benefactors of all of those wonderful things that God is working. Pray with me. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This morning, we want to consider our lives in relationship to you as our creator. And Lord, we know that you have given us not only physical life and the uniqueness of each one of us, but you have given us spiritual life through everything that you have done to pursue us and love us and bring us to the foot of the cross and help us understand what it means to be forgiven, to live in your mercy, and to live abundant and free and live looking to the future and to eternity. We thank you for each one here, and we thank you that you know what each one needs. And so we ask that you would speak to their hearts, to their lives, and we give you the praise and the thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Turn to the person next to you and ask, where were you when you heard this song? Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Help, take a minute to talk about it. Where were you when you heard those lyrics? Well, that's heartening because you all recognize the song. You recognize the group. Only a, a very short song, two minutes and 18 seconds. A few words, but it was a huge success. Well, I was in Germany enjoying summer before my sophomore year in high school. My father was an Air Force chaplain, and we had been assigned to the Hunsrück area mountains near the Mosul River with its cascading vineyards and idyllic ancient German towns. We just transferred there from Topeka, Kansas. It couldn't have been more different. <laughs> I didn't know anyone except my immediate family. The next three years would really stretch me in my faith because the base only provided a sophomore year, two years of high school, and then I would be at a boarding school for the next two years. And a school that wasn't certainly Christian and that had a lot of 
strange influences. It had the son of the ambassador to Germany, who was as wild as a March hare, and a lot of other people in the military who were so glad to be free from their authoritarian military situations that they also went kind of crazy. So when Paul, John Lennon and Paul McCartney sang their song, I identified with their lyrics. And now my life has changed in oh so many ways. My independence seems to vanish in the haze, but every now and then I feel so insecure I know that I just need you like I've never done before. Help me if you can. I'm feeling down. And I do appreciate you being around. Help me get my feet back on the ground. Won't you please, please help me. Help me. Help me. Ooh. And you know, so much of life is encapsulated in an ooh. Because sometimes it's a good ooh, and sometimes it's a ooh. And then sometimes it's just ooh. Help me. John Lennon said in a later interview that this was written out of a personal struggle of self-worth and he felt very heavy and he felt out of place with everyone around him and certainly with his creativity and the notoriety that they were getting. And he wrote those lyrics with a great transparency and he said that they stood the test of time in their appeal and application and I would say yes, they do. They mirror, really, the truth of Psalm 121 this morning and the expressions about the journey of life. In this song of ascents in Psalm 121, it was written by journeyers or travelers who were beginning a trip, and usually they were going up to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem sat higher. It was a sort of a mountain plateau, and is. And so people were coming from the lower areas going up. And so they were beginning the, the, the travel. And we think travel, we travel all around the world now. We have sometimes no fear about getting on a plane or a ship or on a bus or maybe not so much a bus anymore, but uh, getting into our cars and traveling great distances. But then travel was not the norm. And so it needed a lot of preparation and it needed prayer because you didn't know, even in a few miles, what you were going to find that might task your travel and make that travel an unfortunate time. So here we are directed by the, the psalmist, sojourner, traveler to look at the hills, look at the creation, and then look at the creator. The creation is not what gives us strength. It is the Creator who gives us the physical strength, the emotional stability, and that spiritual fortitude to move through life's challenges and destinations. He provides us with a purpose, with confidence, and an expectational faith in Him as a good and loving God. Corey Tenboom, I don't know if any of you have read anything of hers. She has since gone, certainly, to her glory, but when she wrote, she wrote a great deal about being a, a Christian and a World War II survivor of Ravensbrook, a death camp. And she wrote this, she said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. 
None of us know what is going to happen in the next five seconds, much less the next five years. It's the anticipation of that. Anticipatory attitudes can create scenarios. Sometimes they create a scenario that's hopeful and wonderful and excited, and other times, based on what we've gone through, they create internally really an attitude of discouragement and depression. We anticipate more of the same thing, and we don't want it. But whether we know our future or not, we are invited to know our God. And this is what the process of a journey is to do. It is a time for reflection. And I think it's great that you're looking at this during the summertime when people have maybe more time to consider their walk with the Lord. The first thing that Martin Luther taught in the small catechism was how to have a devotional life, how to have a devotional life for you and me individually, but also as a family. Daily, you're to begin with the sign of the cross. It's reminiscent of our baptismal adoption when the child comes forward, the adult comes forward, and we mark them on the forehead with the sign of the cross and over the heart. We mark them over their thoughts, what they're going to think and how they're going to process and what they're going to ponder, the things that direct them, and then also over their heart their emotions, their feelings, their spiritual life, their involvement, full involvement in walking with the Lord. We are brought into this adoption, into the family of faith through God's work in Christ our Savior, something he accomplished without our help. And while we were yet sinners, the scripture says, Christ died for us. God is always reaching out for us, no matter where we can go. That's why another psalm says that no matter where we go, if we take the wings of the morning, if we depart into the furthest most part of the earth, if we even descend into hell, it says God is there. No matter where you go, God is there. You can't run away from God. Jonah tried to do that. It didn't work. God had to get his attention. Hopefully, we don't have to go through journeys like that where we're really inside running away from God because God loves us so much that he will pursue us with an everlasting love. That's how he loves us. Taking the time to read, taking the time to hear and apply God's word to our life, followed in our devotional life by prayer, strengthens us to then live it because you and I cannot live this Christian life without the power of God. We can't do it ourselves. Years ago, before my wife became a Christian, she wanted the Christian life so badly. She saw what Christians had and that kind of connection, that kind of love, that kind of security, that kind of peace, and she wanted it, and she had had enough exposure to things of the church that she wanted to managed that, controlled that herself, and read her devotions and tried every day to do the right thing. And then she realized that she still did not have this knowledge of the living Christ living in her. Until that moment that she was so overwhelmed with life and feeling even though she had accomplished all of these things, she was still spiritually empty 
And she cried out to God. And she said, if you're not real, I don't want to live anymore. And it was in that moment, that moment, that the living Christ lived in her. And she was alive for eternity. She was changed. And that love of God flooded her soul. And she knew that this Jesus had died for her, had walked out of the grave for her, and would never leave her alone ever again. She would never be lonely, and she would see him one day face to face. Turn to the person next to you and say, I have a lot of needs, and I need help. Maybe they don't have it here. That's the first thing this psalm helps us discover and admit today. I am a needy person. I have needs. We have to get real. Who or what do you turn to when you need help? To get real means to stop deluding ourselves that anything or anyone has the ability to control or provide what we require at the deepest level to face life successfully and to live beyond, except the eternal God who loves us and is willing to be our complete strength. The psalmist traveler looks at the hills and is humbled and inspired to call upon the Lord for protection and direction. Faith, someone said, sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. I lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. First, get real. Secondly, get blessed. Because of what Jesus did in his sacrificial life, when he finished the work on the cross and the grave, the way of blessing now is open to each who puts his faith and trust in him. We read today from the gospel, Bartimaeus, and Mark creates this magnificent scene if we take time to unpack it. Bartimaeus, the son of, his name means honor, so he was son of honor, was blind. And in our gospel today, he just wanted to see, and he would not be silenced. When they told him to be quiet, he yelled even louder. He said the word that's used here in the Greek is krazon. It means crazed in the tense that it's used here. It means that every time they tried to silence him, he became more agitated, more determined. Don't shut me up. I need, I need what only this Jesus has. He was even more persistent. He was on a spiritual journey, one like ours of struggle and sin and setback. His faith reached to the only one who could create. He says, Jesus Son of God, eleazon, that magnificent word that we speak in our services every time we come together, eleazon, have mercy, have mercy. He wanted the blessing so much he got up and he went towards Jesus even though he was still blind. And he received a new creation by faith. He received a spiritual sight and generously physical sight. He confirmed 
He wanted to remain in the blessing by literally then leaving everything and following Jesus. The psalmist closes with these assuring words, the Lord will keep your going and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. We have just finished with the LCMS youth gathering in Minnesota. 20,000 young people and adults celebrated the joy of knowing Christ and discovering better ways to follow him and do the things that draw people to him. If you have never had the privilege of attending a massive Christian event, it is very hard to replicate that experience and life change in a mere description. If you have gone, you know what I'm talking about. It is phenomenal. Creed and I went to the 1989 Denver Youth Gathering. It was themed, wonderfully, Blessed in the Journey. One of the events involved a concert at the Red Rocks Amphitheater in Morrison, Colorado. It's about 10 miles outside of Denver. Some of you may have gone. Anybody gone to Red Rocks? Been to the concert there? It's wonderful. It's like going up to Sedona if they had one of those in Sedona. And with 17,000 conference attendees and Red Rocks only seating 9,525 people, two concerts ran back to back. One concert had finished and the buses were transporting people back and forth when a huge mountain storm deluged the event. Not unusual for Denver, if any of you have visited the mountains or lived there or have lived there. Winds, drenching, rain, lightning, and a 10-degree top drop in temperature. Everyone ran to find shelter, whatever shelter there was, and there wasn't much. An older gentleman had a heart attack. Pregnant women were huddled together near the stage for shelter. Cold and wet people started suffering from hypothermia and many were dehydrated and they were not used to the altitude because they had come from sea level like New Orleans or below sea level. And to complicate matters, buses and ambulances were jammed in the roads and the parking lots and it could have been a huge disaster, but as people prayed, they remained calm and moved really to help one another. Disaster was averted. And the sheriff's department later actually said that they were very, very impressed with everyone, with all of these young people and teenagers who didn't panic and that worked together to find solutions for the situation. It was in that moment that blessed in the journey became a reality, not just a theme. You know, Jesus did not promise to change the circumstance around us, but he promised great peace and joy to those who would learn to believe that God actually controls all things. Matt Redman wrote a song called 10,000 Reasons. Today, you can get real and get blessed in the journey as you lift your eyes to the hills and then you lift your eyes to the Lord where your strength comes from, and give him thanks. These are Matt's words. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before. O my soul, I'll worship your holy name. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again, whatever may pass and whatever lies before you. Let me be singing when the evening comes. You're rich in love, 
and you're slow to anger. Your name is great, and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near, and my time has come still, my soul will sing your praise unending 10,000 years and then forevermore, forevermore. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before. O my soul, I'll worship your holy name. Yes, I'll worship your holy name. I'll worship your holy name. Sing like never before. O my soul, I'll worship your holy name. Jesus, I will worship your holy name. Worship your holy name. May this be the song of your heart today in worship, but also as you worship through your work, as you worship through your challenges, as you worship through your task, as you worship through the journey, as you worship through your destinations, that you give thanks to the one who deserves it. The peace of God that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.